are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Wow, praise God. Amen. Nicole, can you stay here and just share what you shared with me? How many know we need intercessors, amen? We need prayer warriors. There's been people gathering a half an hour before each service, praying before the meetings. And, uh, you know, I know Smith Wigglesworth. How, how many people have heard of Smith Wigglesworth? Like, he, I think he has the world record on how many people raised from the dead. Like, this guy is crazy. Um, but he stopped ministry when his intercessor passed away. Isn't that crazy? Doesn't that say something about prayer? And so we're so thankful for Troy and, and Nicole just organizing some of the intercessors in the team. And before the service, you guys were praying, and, and you felt some stuff that was happening and has been happening in the meeting. Could you just share what you were saying and then pray over us? Pray over the meeting, okay? Yeah, okay. Well, we've been meeting for a half hour before each meeting. And uh, it was so neat because the first night, I can't even remember what we were praying about, but everything we prayed about, he spoke. So that was so awesome. But uh, today, um, one of the intercessors felt that the word for this afternoon was flow. And uh, so we started praying. And uh, as I, we were thanking the Lord for what he's done so far this weekend. And I just saw a big concrete wall, like a dam, you know, the big thick concrete wall. And I felt that God was saying that this weekend has pierced a hole through that wall. Okay? And I could see that tiny little wall and then the cracks starting to open up. So when I just, then suddenly I saw the water behind the wall gushing through, making it bigger and bigger. So, you know, I'm so excited for whatever is going to happen this afternoon. And, and uh, I kept feeling the whole time that today I said, I said, they must be preaching about the Holy Ghost because there's, there's something. And then another intercessor had the word release. Okay. So, which, you know, it all goes together. And then another one said that the worship was like uh, a bulldozer pushing through and breaking through stuff. So I'm expecting everything to happen. You better leave your dignity on your seat and just do whatever. Pray over us. Okay. Yeah. So Father God, you are so good and we're so excited, Father God. We feel like it's Christmas morning and we're going to open our gifts today. So Father God, we just release your spirit over this place today and we just say, have your way with us. We're asking for Pentecost to be here today, Father God. Not one would be left out in Jesus' name. Come on, give it up for Jesus. He is so good. We're so thankful for what he's doing, but we just say, Holy Spirit, you have permission to come, show up, and show off, amen? And we believe that God wants to accomplish things today, and so we invite him to accomplish everything that he wants to accomplish in these meetings. And I've been feeling that the Lord wants to call us to maturity, that, that, that there's, you know, there's times when we've been young in the Lord, but he's calling us to the meat of the gospel, not just the milk. We're not, we don't have to be babes anymore. We can be, you know, we, we're called to be mature Christians, amen? And so I feel like God challenged me to bring a word of even just spiritual maturity today because we want to know how to sustain what, what God is doing in these meetings. We want to know how to sustain a life on fire, to stay, sustain a passionate life. You know, what, there was a time in my life when my love for God was probably, my passion level in worship was probably about a three, and then I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. My wife can attest to this, you guys. I used to be normal. I used to be normal. And then I met Holy Spirit, and he showed me a whole brand new normal. Amen? Um, and so and my passion level increased to a, to a six and to a seven. And, and I felt like this is what's happening in, in the worship and in our times of just encountering the love of God. He's actually increasing our passion. And one of the things I think that is so attractive is boldness. When you meet somebody who knows who they are, you know, one of the things that really attracted to me to my wife 
is like she knew who she was. She knew she was royalty and deserved to be treated like royalty, right? Like boldness is, is attractive. And one of the things, when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you get a boldness. And I believe your worship and your extravagant worship starts to be expressed in a different way. And it's not, we're just not, you know, oh, I'm Canadian, I'm reserved, I'm, you know, an introvert, you know, all these things. And yeah, you're allowed to be all those things. You're allowed to be polite. You're allowed to be Canadian. You're allowed to be an introvert. But Holy Spirit has an expression and he creates a new boldness in you. And I'm not saying everybody's personality has to be the same, but there is a new level of boldness when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You know, if you look at Peter, this is a bumbling, you know, like insecure fisherman who was who really, you know, competitive sometimes with the disciples. He, would, he, would, he sent, you know, um, the disciples, they sent their moms, you know, like, go talk to Jesus. Say, who's going to sit by your right hand? You know, like, when you set up your throne, who's going to sit at your right hand? And Jesus is like, guys, you're missing the point here. <laughs> or, or, or there's, uh, you know, they came to take Jesus away, and, and, and uh, the Romans, the battalion comes, and there's a servant. And Peter, in his boldness, he, he gets out his sword and attacks the unarmed guy, right? The servant guy, right? <laughs> Cuts off his ear and Jesus is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is not how we do things. This guy is like Peter. He's a bit of a wild card. You never know what he's going to do. He's kind of like up and down. He's like, he, he gets it one moment and the next moment God, Jesus is like, get ye behind me, Satan. Isn't that interesting? Because a lot of times Peter was just emotionally led. But he gets filled with the Holy Spirit, he gets filled with the power of God, and then he gets out and preaches the most eloquent gospel message. On the day of Pentecost, he gets filled, boldness comes upon him, the Holy Spirit comes upon him, and all of a sudden he gets up there with a new authority, a new boldness that he didn't carry before, because now he's possessed by the Holy Spirit. Come on, you become the devil's worst nightmare when you become possessed with the Holy Spirit, amen? We want to get possessed because then when we get the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we get bold and we say things normally maybe we wouldn't have the guts to say. But it's because the Holy Spirit fills us. When we open our mouth, it says he fills it. And so we say things that we normally wouldn't have the guts to say because there's a new boldness because we're filled with the Holy Spirit. He preaches the most eloquent, powerful, anointed gospel message and thousands of people come into the kingdom of God. Amen? And people looked at them and thought, you must have been with Jesus. Why? Because they were uneducated. They were fishermen. They had returned to their father's business, you know. They had gotten rejected by the rabbi. The, you know, all the all young boys, they would try to go and get taught by a rabbi. And if they weren't good enough, they would have to return to their father's business. But Jesus came and got all the rejects. He got all the ones who had had to return. He said, you come follow me because I'm going to qualify the unqualified. Isn't that powerful? In your weakness... And your inability, that's a perfect opportunity for God to get glory. Because it's obviously not you. It's, it's the Holy Ghost. Amen? And so I used to be shy, you guys. I used to be, isn't that crazy? You know, I used to be shy. I used to stay away from the limelight. I used to be a really good wallflower. And then the Holy Spirit came upon me, and I actually started a Christian band. I, started, I was the lead singer, and we, we, we played at a KKK festival one time. And I don't know how we got invited to these places, you guys. I don't know. And we, 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 can't, we got on stage and we said, hey, we're a Christian band. We love God. And the beer bottles and the spit was like a wall. It just like started flying at the stage. But I tell you what, the anointing breaks every yoke. And some of these same like scary characters that were throwing stuff at us were on their knees giving their lives to Jesus at the end. Amen. Who will go to those places? Who will go to the darkest places, right? You know, I believe church is becoming a lot more about go than come and gather. You know, we need, we come and gather and we have, don't, don't forsake the gathering, but why are we trying so hard to get the world to come to us? Why don't we go to them? It's, the, the Bible says go into all the world. So we don't forsake the gathering because we come and celebrate what God is doing. We need community. Come on. You cannot live outside of community. You know, it's the Father, uh, it's the Trinity, the, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He, they showed us the perfect model of unity and perfect union, right? And so we, they showed us community, but then it says, now we got to invite people into that relationship. So we got to adopt some people in Cold Lake, amen? So everybody wants to belong, and in the family of God, everybody gets to belong. 
And so this is the revelation of family that we're diving into. And so before I get um, really going too, too much, uh, I have some CDs. I think I have about 20 more of these CDs out there on the book table. And this is called Stewarding Personal Revival. And there was a moment in my life in Sylvan Lake when I, I was a youth pastor. I knew God. I was in the ministry. But we had an outpouring of 30 days that actually for, for a day it shut down the Christian school that was attached to the building because the power of God came so strong on that place that the teachers fell under the power of God. There was people falling in the parking lot. They couldn't even get into the building before the power of God would touch them as their doors are open. You see people laying outside on the parking lot because the power of God came so strong. We saw the school and the five-year-olds and the young school, they were laying hands on people and seeing their parents came to pick them up, and the parents were getting healed at the door by five-year-olds, laying hands on people. And, and, and school was canceled because the, the angels had showed up, the glory had showed up. And, and I was a critic of it, you guys. I actually didn't even know if all this stuff was real, except I started experiencing it worse than all the people that I was judging who were mad at <laughs> isn't, that, isn't, that, isn't the Holy Spirit funny? You know, when, when nobody's safe from being victimized by the love of God, Amen. You know, some of the least people, you know, I was like, I don't know if this is real because I'm a word of faith boy. I understand healing. I understand prosperity. But this looks a little different than what I've seen before. Sometimes the last move of God is the greatest critic of the new move of God. Isn't that interesting? So this is stewarding personal revival because it was 30 days. And then there was a moment where it lifted whether people got familiar and, and they stopped coming. Like We were going 30 days. Every night we were gathering at the church. People were coming from other cities. Edmonton and Calgary were driving to the church. And we didn't have a preacher. We would just turn on the, uh, a live stream of healing meetings that were happening. Then we'd lay hands on anything that moved, anybody that wanted prayer. And we'd see miracles every night, salvations. People were getting saved every single night, you guys. You can't be in a real move of God and not see souls. Amen? Have a hunger for souls. We had a, two drug two drug addicts come to the church because they heard a sound and the, what was happening in the church at that moment was the fear of God everybody was on their face because it was the awe and fear of God but they heard a sound and it, they came they got they received Jesus and they got set free they got their Holy Ghost fixed amen and so I share on this CD about how to steward a personal revival, even if you're the only one burning, how to keep burning for Jesus right into eternity. That's what I believe. How do we keep fanning the flame and steward personal revival, even if we're the only one burning? And, and we need to get around people who are more on fire than we are, amen? But, but, it, but even in the place, sometimes on Monday, you don't, might not feel like you're in revival. On Tuesday, you might not feel like you're in revival. Well, the truth is our feelings might be lying to us. Because Jesus never leaves us, he never forsakes us, and inside of you, you have a revival happening. You are awakened. On the inside, there is the, uh, the resurrection life of God. And so um, there's about 20 left, and uh, they're for donation. If you want to donate, you can donate $5, you can donate $500, whatever you would like. But I feel like maybe that you need to give this to somebody. And so who's, um, you know, I believe there's, uh, is there somebody here who's had a birthday um, in, Let's see. I'm just going to say in May. Who's had a birthday in May? May? A birthday in May. Happy birthday in May. Praise God. It's my month. So May is a good month. So I was like, that's a good month. Praise God. So you might need to give. I believe these CDs are anointed. They're powerful. That carries the glory on them. And so you might need to give them to somebody. And so feel free to check them out before they're gone. There's about 20 left on the table. But thank you for supporting and sowing into uh, family revival. Amen. Well, I want to read from the Bible. This is in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. This is what it says. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Have you ever read it like that before? There is no law. What does that mean, there is no law? That means that nothing works against the fruit of the Spirit. Nothing in the enemy's arsenal will work against the fruit of the Spirit or is stronger than the love of God or the peace of God or the joy of God, you guys. There's nothing that the enemy has that can work against the fruit of the Spirit in your life. And the character of God that you manifest in your life um, will set you free from the works of the enemy. Praise God. 
You know, love is a more powerful weapon than anything that the enemy has. It says love never fails. And when we're living in the fruit of the Spirit, we're manifesting something that nothing that the enemy has can work against us. Isn't that awesome? The fruit of the Spirit is so powerful, you guys. See, um, to live in the, in the Spirit, it's the most powerful and influential lifestyle that you could possibly live. Did you, do anybody agree with me that Jesus was the most fruitful person on the planet? I mean, in, in two, three years of his ministry, he did more miracles, he, he released more revelation than could be contained in all the libraries of all the world. But up until that point, he was discovering who he was. He was discovering who he was as a son of God. That sounds like you and me. We're discovering who we are as sons. Isn't that awesome? We're discovering who we are as daughters of God. And then we can become the most fruitful people. There's this uh, kingdom principle called abiding. When we're abiding in the vine. Did you know, um, I like to call it abiding in the wine, amen? Because <laughs> when we're abiding in the vine, we become fruitful. Because Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. And it's our job, actually, to produce fruit. Our job and our ministry is we are fruit producers. We produce peace in our life. We produce joy in our life. We produce love in our life if we're abiding in the vine. God showed me a picture of the, of the Trojan horse, and he said this thing to me. He said, I am the Trojan horse. And I was like, God, I don't understand that. And so I studied. How many people know the city of, you know, Troy? And, and, and I believe it was the Romans who were coming and trying to attack Troy. And for 10 years, they were fighting and trying to attack Troy. But the city was so well fortified, nothing that they did could get into the city. But then they came up with this idea, we're going to build this horse as a tribute to Troy, and we're going to hide all our soldiers inside, and then we're going to pretend to sail away. And they did exactly that. And so the city of Troy is celebrating after 10 years of this battle. And so they bring in the Trojan horse. And out of the Trojan horse that night, everybody's partying and celebrating and drinking. They all fall asleep. And then the soldiers come out, and they capture the city. And Jesus said, I am the Trojan horse. When we're hidden in Christ, we get the entire kingdom. Amen? And even though maybe you've been battling and you've been fighting for some things, but the answer is, to, is abiding in the vine. The answer is being hidden in Christ. Did you know what, when you're hidden in Christ, the enemy can't find you? Wow. When you're abiding in Jesus, the enemy can't find you. When you're hidden in Christ, he can't find you. And so I, I, I felt this word. I don't know um, if I shared it last time I was here, but I felt like the church has been in the wine press. It, last year was the season of the wine press. And I don't know about you, but last year was the hardest year of my life. It felt like every area of my life was under attack, whether it was relationships uh, finances, you know, our family, it was like our ministry, every area was, I felt the squeeze, you guys. How many people can attest? You felt the squeeze last year, and you felt the pressure last year. And, 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 and God said, the church has been in the wine press last year, but what I'm producing out of the wine press is a celebration drink, because this year is going to be the most fruitful year for the church. And out of the pressures of last year, you may have felt like a grape underfoot. You may have felt like pressed but not crushed, persecuted, not destroyed, struck down. You know, but God has not abandoned you. And you may have felt the pressure on every side in relationships and finances, wherever it is. You may have felt the pressure, but what God is producing in you this year is the greatest fruit of your life. Amen? What happens when a Christian gets squeezed? You know, what happens when an orange gets squeezed? What do you get? You get orange juice, right? What happens when an apple gets squeezed? What do you get? You get apple juice. Well, when a, when a Christian gets squeezed, what comes out? Hopefully not profanities, right? Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully when a Christian gets squeezed, the fruit of the Spirit actually comes out. What's on the inside of us comes out. Peace, love, and joy, amen, in the Holy Spirit. Why do we need these things? Because these are the things that nothing that the enemy has can work against. All the pressure of the, en the enemy would apply to your life actually just makes you more fruitful. Isn't that awesome? It actually just makes you more peaceful. It actually makes you just more joyful. I mean, it can make you bitter or it can make you better, amen? Because in the wine press, if you do not remove the seeds in the wine, 
that when it's the, the grapes have been squished and it's, they're producing that drink, if you don't remove the seeds of bitterness, it, it can actually produce a bitter drink, you guys. So we need to remove the seeds of bitterness so we can have the joy of the Lord, amen? And the more you drink, the more you see, amen? The happier you get. See, see the joy of the Lord is always um, speaks of the wine of heaven the, and abiding in the vine and the grape. And the first miracle Jesus did was he turned water into wine, you guys. I think that's crazy because I think that that speaks of how not religious Jesus is. Like nobody got saved, nobody got healed. He did a miracle and he turned water, something everyday, something boring, something, you know, just plain and simple, and he turned it into wine. He turned it into a celebration drink at a party, you guys. The first miracle Jesus did was at a party. Isn't that wild, you guys? You know, I'm concerned about the church sometimes that when we get into heaven, it's going to be like culture shock because we don't realize how much of a party it is in heaven. It's like this nonstop, joy-filled party. And we, you know, sometimes I've been to some churches, not this church, but I've been to some places where it's like, did I walk into a funeral? Like, is there anybody alive in this place? It's like, no, we need the party of God. Amen. I pray, God, I want the, I want the part to party with the angels. I want that anointing to party everywhere I go. I want to show the world how to party. I mean, they, they got nothing on heaven. Amen. Because there's the heavenly wine. You see, the joy of the Lord comes in the morning. So that, that's permission from God is you can start drinking early in the morning. Because every hour is happy hour in the kingdom of God. Amen? And we can drink deeply of his joy because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And some of us just need the strength to get up in the morning. Amen? So we can say, good morning, Holy Spirit. I'll take a double-double because we're Canadian, right? But I'm serious about this. I'm joking about it. But the joy of the Lord is our strength. And there's always a counterfeit in the world. The enemy always tries to counterfeit the stuff in the world that can lead to addiction and stuff. But come on, there is a heavenly wine. When, when the disciples came out of the upper room, the people said, oh, they're drunk. And, and, they're, and, and, and others said, wow, it's so early in the morning. See, the, the, the disciples were drinking early in the morning. Because, and when they got filled with the Holy Spirit, they, they must have been acting like drunkards. To, to, for people to mistake them for drunkards, amen? I, you know, I, I love, I, I've experienced the wine of the Lord that I've actually tasted it in the supernatural. You could taste it and I experienced it. I remember probably like three hours laughing on the floor, so filled with the joy of the Lord that I could not even get up. My abs hurt, you guys. And the, the joy of the Lord is not just a spiritual manifestation, this bubbling up. It actually produces what we need. There was this, in one, one service, I was ministering, and the joy of the Lord broke out. And this one woman, she was, she was a, a bit of a, a larger woman. She, she was up at the front, and she fell under the power of God, and she started rolling and taking everybody else out at the altar. And I was like, what is going on? This is crazy. And she was laughing so loud. She was almost being distracting. Like, I mean, you're getting knocked over. So she was really being distracting. <laughs> and then I asked her later, like, what, what happened? And she said, for seven years, there was something wrong with my throat. Doctors didn't know. But there was, I had, I don't know whether it was a tumor on her throat or something. But she literally could not laugh for seven years. The enemy had stolen her joy. She got filled with the Holy Spirit, got drunk, and started laughing. That's why I call it joy fair. Because some of, your, some of your great, the greatest weapons in the kingdom of God is your joy, is your peace, is your love. It's the greatest weapon. Isn't that good, you guys? Joy fair. And so we're coming out of this wine press, and he gives us the oil of gladness for the spirit of heaviness. There's this trade going on. You know, it says God sits in heaven and he laughs. Laughter does good like medicine, you guys. We need the joy of the Lord. And you know, he's trading our sorrows for his joy. That's a good trade, amen? You know, so everything that works for us automatically works against the enemy in your circumstances. Did you know that everything originates in God and not in you? Not in you? And everything that God asks from you, he gives to you first. It says that God loves, uh, first loved us. Why? So we could actually love him back. He asks from us that every commandment that God gives us he's al is always attached with a promise. Wow. 
Every commandment that God will give us is also attached with a promise. In 1 John 4, 15, it says, we love him because he first loved us. And so we give back to God the very thing that he gives us. How many parents, you know, um, there, uh, last Christmas we took our son to the, the mall and he picked out a Christmas present for, for my wife. I gave him some money and she picked out some, a Christmas present for my wife. And then, and then she took him shopping and he picked out a Christmas present for me. How many parents do that? You give your kids money so that they can go shopping for you. Amen? <laughs> Where did we get that from? Our Heavenly Father. Because the, the, the gift isn't the point. It's the exchange of affection. And God loves that. Where did we get that from? Our Heavenly Father. So what God is offering us is His unchanging self. You always know wh- um, where you are with God because He never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is constant. But God can be unpredictable at times, but He's still constant. That's the paradox of this beautiful relationship we have. Because what's the best thing that you can give a father is your complete trust as a son. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. You know, like, if my son absolutely trusts me, that delights my heart, you guys. There's nothing that pleases my heart than absolute trust in, G- in God. And so I think of spiritual maturity. Uh, we're, 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 spiritual maturity, God wants to produce the most sp- mature people in this church. I really feel this is a word for this church. God wants to grow us in the fruit of the Spirit. And so that we can produce peace, love, and joy. Sometimes when I think of spiritual people, um, um, we have these, we do a lot of conference, so I like to call them conference people, right? There's people who are addicted to conferences. They love coming out to the conferences, and they're a little bit crazy, you know, like they're a little bit wild. They, they can prophesy until the cows come home. They can lay hands on everything. They're, they're manifesting. They're shaking. That's me, you guys. I love those people. I love those wild, radical people who are just so passionate. And so I would look at some of them when I was new to the Holy Spirit. I was like, wow, look at them. They're, they're shaking. They're manifesting. They're falling under the power of God. They're, man, they must be so spiritual. But then at moments, I would see some of these same people who were impatient while they were waiting for the prophet of God to sign their, their book signing. Somebody cut in front of them, and all of a sudden, they were getting impatient. Or, or they're trying to sneak into the conference to save a seat behind the prophet of God. <laughs> um, and, but, but nobody was allowed in, and so they were getting angry at the ushers. Why are, you, why are you not letting me in? And they were getting impatient. And all of a sudden, God was showing me that, that spiritual maturity is not shaking and manifesting and prophesying prophesying and and laying hands on everything. Spiritual maturity is producing peace in the valley of the shadow of death. In the moment where everything else in your emotion screams going in another direction, where you want to give up, but you say, no, I'm going to choose peace in this moment. I'm going to choose to love my enemy in this moment. I'm going to choose to walk in joy. Did you know love is a choice? You know, I love my wife and sometimes there's moments where we disagree, where we fight, where it might get heated. In those moments, spiritual maturity in me has to say, you know what, I'm going to choose to walk in love and not be led by my feelings. I'm going to choose when, when my bank account is, is I'm feeling squeezed and, and I'm starting to feel stress. I'm going to choose to step back into peace and I'm going to produce peace in my life. It's in those moments that where, where our revival is tested, Amen our revival and our character. And why am I giving you this word is because I, we need to know how to steward revival on Monday. We need to know how to steward the peace of God and the fruit of the Spirit. And what we're discovering is that the fruit of the Spirit is actually an even more powerful weapon than all the gifts of the Spirit. Come on, I love the resurrection of the dead. I love the, you know, the, the miracles, the signs and the wonders and the glory and, and all of these things. But what I've realized is that love is a seedbed for miracles. The foundation, it says, you can prophesy and know all the mysteries. You can, you, can, um, ra- you can give your body to be burned by the fire. You can do all these things, all these miracles and lay hands on the sick and cast out demons. But if you do not have love, you're just making noise. See, the world wants love, you guys. The world wants, God is love. And so when we're walking in love, we're stepping into our truest identity. This is what we were created for. We were created for this beautiful exchange of giving love and receiving love. Wow. And so, you know, there was a moment, you know, when, uh, 
<laughs> when, 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 uh, you know, when, before you were a Christian, we had this old nature. Who It was in our nature to be impatient. It was in our nature to sin. It was in our nature to get angry. It was in our nature to do all these things. But then there may have been this weird person, this Jesus freak that came to you and told you about the encounter they had with Jesus. And, and now you are one of them. <laughs> and the thing that happens is that we're try- God's trying to get the weirdness out of us so we can be as normal as he is. Wow. Did you know that (laughs) he's trying to get the weirdness out of us so that we can be as normal as he is? Did you know that God is the most supernatural person you will ever meet? He's also the least superstitious person you will ever meet. Wow. We need to get superstition out of the church. A lot of stuff, a lot of spirituality is masked, or superstition tries to mask itself as spirituality. When it's just really like just fear in disguise or it's like, oh, maybe this is demonic or maybe that's demonic. And we're all of a sudden we're worried about this and we take our eyes off, off of Jesus. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus so we can become spiritually mature Christians. Beyond just the Holy Ghost goosebumps, in the valley of the shadow of death, we're producing peace. No matter what the enemy does at, uh, over our lives, it, it just makes us better. Because <laughs> every battle, every a circumstance because an, becomes an opportunity for God to produce something in our life. I like to call, I like to call it moving in the opposite spirit. You know, it, 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 when the enemy attacks, it only makes us stronger. It only gives us an authority. You know, if you get healed from cancer, all of a sudden you now have an anointing and an authority to heal cancer. You have a testimony and an anointing and authority. If the, if the enemy is trying to attack you in an area, that is an opportunity for God to give you authority in that area. Guys, I, I, for five years, my wife and I, we've struggled with infertility. We've been dealing with, um, you know, trying to have this adoption. Well, guess what? God has given me authority to see family revival and adoption miracles and fertility miracles. And in the area where we're struggling, guess what? We're believing for the biggest revival. When I get sick, I pray for as many people as I possibly can to be healed. We move in the opposite spirit because obviously the enemy is intimidated by your fruits. The fruit of the spirit will really affect the enemy. Come on. And so every situation is about you being made into his image. Did you know that difficulties will help you grow in love, in peace, in joy? <laughs> Come on, somebody. You know, I used to be, you know, I'm word of faith. And, uh, you know, we would kind of almost avoid the topic of suffering because it was like we just believe, you know, we believe finances, we believe for healing, miracles, and you'd kind of avoid the topic of suffering. Did you know Jesus didn't avoid suffering? He actually went to places of pain and he went to places of suffering. Jesus actually went to hell to love you. Talk about not avoiding suffering. Sometimes, because you're called to be a peacemaker, God will take you to a place where there's no peace. Because, because, because God wants to produce joy in you, sometimes he'll take you to places of depression. Not because maybe, sometimes I feel like we get into these places of attack and depression and, and where, there's, where there's no peace. And we think, God, did we miss it? Why did we, you know, why are we here in this place? But I think God is bringing us to these places because we actually, he's, he wants to give us authority to bring peace and to speak to storms. God will take you to stormy places so that you can use the authority that he's given you to say, peace, be still to the storms so sometimes it's not we got to get over ourselves sometimes because it's not always about us it's about the authority that we carry and God we're called to we're called to battle the kingdom of darkness amen we're called to decimate the works of the enemy so I love it when God takes me to a dark place. You know, I used to struggle with depression in my life. When I was 15 years old, I, I was thinking about how can I end my life and in that moment, God gave me a calling and a direction for my life. And it says, without vision, people perish, right? And so, now, and, and, and so now I have an authority over depression. Every time a depressing thought comes to me and the enemy tries to attack me with depression, I realize it's not me because I'm not depressed. That's not who I am. Yeah. I realize, okay, God, the enemy is trying to attack somebody with depression. Who do I need to pray for? I take every attack from the enemy as a word of knowledge, and I'm going to start to move against it right now. Isn't that awesome, you guys? 
So when I walk in the room, many times I can feel depression and I can feel that it's intimidated because I carry the joy of the Lord. Because the joy, and I've had victory in that circumstance. Right now, I want you to think of some of the victories that God has given you. And I want you to realize that, that those victories are now authorities and a calling on your life to take back what the enemy has stolen on other people's lives. You have the fruit of the Spirit, and it's the greatest weapon against the enemy. Amen? In Ephesians chapter 3, in, in verse 18, it says, May you have the power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep the love of Christ is. You know, if you do not have a broken and contrite heart, I don't know if you can grasp how deep the love of God is. There was a moment in Jamaica where we were at an orphanage and we were holding these babies in the orphanage. And uh, we, we were there just, we were singing songs. We, we, we came with our guitars and we were just playing worship over in the orphanage. And all these, these children have been abandoned. And, uh, and, and they took us on a tour of the orphanage and they were showing us each, um, each orphan, not all of them um, not all of them had names because they had just been dropped off, and, and sometimes it was fathers dropping off um, uh, the baby because there was incest in the family, and, it was a sh- and they were ashamed, and so they were dropping off these babies, and most of the, a lot of the babies were in incest, uh, were, were the results of incest, and, 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 and we were holding these babies that were struggling with, a lot of them probably developmental difficulties, and, and that they were going to have some big struggles in their life. And I was, I was, I was, oh, as I was holding these babies, you could feel the destiny of God on each one of them. And my heart started breaking, you guys, because I could feel everyone has a name, everyone has a destiny, everyone deserves a mom and a dad. And we started singing songs of hope over these children. We started holding these babies. And I realized in a moment what God needed most was somebody with the touch of love. And, with love, and what love's touch can do, because love never fails. And I believe if you don't have a broken and contrite heart, if God hasn't taken you to a place of brokenness, then he cannot increase your capacity to love. So I don't avoid suffering anymore. I don't avoid pain anymore. Because God has taught me to go to places to hug pain until it's gone. Because we have the cure to end suffering. Jesus went to a place where there was so much pressure that in Gethsemane, he was in the place of the press, you guys, where he, the blood started to, to come out of his forehead. There's a medical term even for that, where that actually happens because somebody's under so much duress and somebody's under so much pressure. Jesus chose to go to a place of suffering. He chose to go to the place of the cross. He chose to go to hell because he knew that love never fails. Love has the power to raise the dead. Jesus was moved by compassion. He wept, and then he raised the dead. So I don't avoid suffering anymore. I don't avoid pain because I want that broken and contrite heart. God, break our heart for what breaks yours so we could be moved by compassion. And we can, I'm, I'm done being comfortable. I'm, just, I'm done staying and, and playing church. I want to I be on the front lines, you guys. One of my friends decided, you know, she, she, there was all her friends. She's 18. All her friends are getting to relationships and getting married. And she says, I just don't feel like I'm cut from the same cloth. I want to live on the front lines. I want to go to the war zones. And so the first thing she did is she, by herself, did a missions trips to Congo where there was a war-torn country. And she started ministering to the rebel soldiers that were raping and pillaging the villages. And she saw a general come to God, and then he got his, all of his, his men to come and hear the gospel from this little 18-year-old girl in this war-torn country. And then the next place she said is like, okay, that's not good enough. I wanna, I wanna, there's this threat of ISIS, so I'm going to go to Iraq. And now she's miles away from the headquarters of Iraq, setting up houses of prayer and leading worship in the places of suffering. And most of the people in these refugee camps are women and children, you guys. These women and children, it says the children, they, when, when they were meeting with the children, they were playing songs. They had forgotten how to sing and they'd forgotten how to dance because of the trauma of seeing their brothers and their fathers murdered. 
They, the trauma had actually caused them. They've forgotten how to, how to, how to dance and to, and to sing and all these things. And so they start singing these anointed songs, songs of hope in the refugee camps. And people get out their cell phones, and they started recording. And all of a sudden, it went viral in the refugees camp. The, the song, How He Loves Us. You know that sloppy wet kiss song? It was like, it was going all over the camp. People were listening to it all over the camp. And all of a sudden, the kids were starting to dance again. Kids were starting to play again. Translators, Muslim translators were getting saved and touched by the power and the love of God. You know, if this works in the church, guys, this works outside of the church. And so the fruit of the Spirit, you carry peace and, and Charlie has a message on it. Your peace is one of the greatest weapons, the peace of God. He's the prince of peace. He's the highest authority. The winds and the waves know his name. They listen to him. Because, and we carry the prince of peace. We carry his authority. We carry his name. Why? So we can decimate the works of hell. We can decimate the works of the enemy. We can destroy cancer. We can destroy terrorism with love. <laughs> Oh, guys, I've got something to read for you. Can I talk to you about love for a second? Just receive this. Even just close your eyes. Just, I want to read this over you. Let me talk to you about love for a second. <sighs> love is exclusive affection. It's where we learn how to treasure and cherish people. It's tangible favor and goodness. Love is demonstrating kindness and regarding people with benevolence. It's taking delight in people around you. Love is very deliberate. And so God, I just pray for the love of God. Would you grow us in love right now? Would you grow our capacity to love to, that we would know the height and the depth and the width? How far would love go to love, love the, the widows and the orphans? How far would love go to love the people in my community? How far would love go in the moment where I feel like being angry at my husband? How far would love go? See, sometimes there's a question that can arise when we love, and it's, it's well, will we be loved back? But when we've been perfectly loved by God, when we've been perfectly loved by, by the God who is love, how many know you can't be rejected anymore? Once you've been accepted in the beloved. Guys, do you know that in the Bible it, it talks about being the beloved? The disciples is like John the beloved and, you know, the, the, the one who Jesus loved the most and, you know, their competition. But, but they were on to something because did you know that you are a beloved? You are in a constant state of being loved and you can't get away from it. Where can you hide from his love? Where can you hide from his love? What can separate you from the love of God? Can any demon in hell separate you from the love of God? Can any angel, can life or death separate you from the love of God? No, you are in a constant state of, you, your name is a beloved. All day today, you are being loved. All day tomorrow, you are being loved. You are a beloved. Some of us, we just need to get a re revelation that we're the beloved, Amen. Can I talk to you about joy for a second? <laughs> wow. Let's talk about joy. <laughs> if you haven't noticed, I'm a pretty happy person. <laughs> it says about Jesus that he was anointed with joy far above his companions. Guys, he was the life of the party. <laughs> People wanted to be around him. Let's, joy is intense. It's intense delight. It's intense gladness. You can't be mildly joyful. It's elation. It's a sense of wonder that makes you laugh out loud. It's jubilation. It's triumphant. It's where, it, it's where you take pleasure in something in a really powerful way. It's being celebratory in your lifestyle. I am an unashamed, triumphant celebrationalist. <laughs> and you get to be that way too. Because joy is a choice. Every day we get to delight and we get to rejoice in the day that the Lord has made. Can I talk to you guys about peace for a second? <laughs> I'm going to do it anyways. <laughs> it's being restful. Just receive this. It's being calm. It's being free from disturbance. It's an ease of mind. It's an inclination to stillness. It's untroubled. It's content. It's composed. It's free from strife. When Jesus said, my peace I give you, he meant it. It's the type of peace that has the absolute inability to worry. Whoa. 
Because, you know, you can't trust in the Lord and be anxious at the same time because it's incompatible. You, you, they cannot exist in the same time and space. One of them has to go and you get to choose. Everything that works for you automatically works against the enemy. Phew. You know, I've, I've come to believe that the fruit of the Spirit is an even more powerful weapon than the gifts of the Spirit. So many people are trying to learn, you know, prophecy. We're trying to learn miracles and the working of healings and, and all this stuff. We're trying to see in the Spirit. Well, guess what? If, if you want to see in the Spirit, learn to see everyone through the lens of love. If you want to heal somebody and lay hands on learn to love them. Get over, we get over the risk because perfect love casts out fear. So I, I risk it to go and pray for somebody in a wheelchair. Why? Because God really, 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 really loves them. And so the result I'm not worried about because love never fails. And, I, and the worst thing that could happen is just that God loves them. That's the main thing. My, I'm just to be a, an, an opportunity for God to love on somebody. So I don't, I'm, not, I'm not worried about what happens, you know. I'm not worried about what happens after because I believe God heals every time. And if I don't see it right now in this moment, I believe for a miracle instantaneously, but it doesn't matter because God loves them. Wow. So this revelation, it changed my life. That when something negative happens, there's always a fruit of the Spirit right there. You know, I think there's every, we, we go from battle to, sometimes we, we, we say this word in, in the church where we go from glory to glory. And when I first became a Christian, I thought that meant, you know, like, oh, it's going to be a cakewalk. And now I got Jesus on my side. We go from glory to glory. This is awesome. But do you know what, that what it really means is we go from battle to battle. But, but champions know that glory is found on the battlefield. So they run to the battlefield. Champions run to the battlefield, you guys. David ran to the battlefield because he knew glory was found on the battlefield. Guys, we're not intimidated by the giants in the land. We're not intimidated by cancer. We're not intimidated by sickness. We run to the battle because we know love always wins. I read the end of the book, you guys. I read the end of the book. We win. Love wins every time. You know, I, I, there's this um, saying in church sometimes that I've heard that it kind of bugs me. It kind of agitates me. It says, you know, we love, you know, we love the sinner, but we hate the sin. And, and what that statement does and why, why it bothers me, I understand what people are trying to say, but why it bothers me is we instantly have created a separation from us and them. When Jesus died to actually remove the separation, and so when we say, you know, we love the sinner, but we hate the, we hate the sin, we're identifying somebody who has a nature to keep on sinning, and we actually empower that nature in their life. But I want to see every one of them with the lens of love, that I'm not looking at a sinner, I'm looking at a future son and daughter of God. And I see that they are wonderfully and perfectly made. So a prophetic culture would call out the gold in them and would not be looking at the sin, it would be looking at how Jesus died to love them and remove them, remove the separation. Remove the religion that says, hey, you have to be perfect before you come into this church. You have to operate this way before you come into that church. No, Jesus was okay with the mess. He was okay with the distraction because it was worth it to love us. Are you, are, are you glad today that Jesus loves you? That, that when you were a mess, when you needed a lot of help, that Jesus said, you know what, it's worth me getting in the mess. I want to get in the mess with people because why? I see the gold in every person. God sees the gold. He sees the God destiny in every person. I want to read this one more thing. Guys, did you know that there's a place that God has set aside for you to absolutely demoralize the devil? <laughs> I can see it right now. The demons in hell reporting to Satan saying, Lucifer, we need a holiday. You know, like every time we attack this woman... With, with, with depression, she just gets more joyful. Every time we attack this woman with, with sickness, she, she just gets more happy. And, and she prays for more people, and more people are getting healed. We're, we're, we're getting tired. We're getting run down. We need a holiday. I can just see that there's a place of the fruit of the Spirit that will absolutely demoralize the devil. Listen to this. Did you know that you can completely exhaust the enemy with your love? You can depress him by being joyful. You can weary him by being at peace and rest. You can discourage him with your kindness. You can demoralize him with your patience. 
You can overcome him with goodness. You can debilitate him with your faithfulness. You can trouble him with your gentleness. You can dismay him with your self-control. You can intimidate him with your intimacy. You can dishearten him with your faith. You can weaken him with your mercy. You can devastate him by your grace. You can paralyze him by your compassion. You can cripple him with your humility. Good always overcomes evil. Amen? You can absolutely demoralize the devil because guess what? The blessing is always stronger than the curse. I'm going to end with this story, you guys. Are you guys doing okay? I guess what? I'm preaching myself happy today. <laughs> there was this minister. Anybody heard of Graham Cook? Awesome man of God. He was in England, and he was in his office one day. And he heard the phone ring, and his secretary wasn't around to pick it up. And so he picks up the phone, and he hears this demonic hissing sound on the other end of the phone, you guys. Just like a snake, right? <laughs> Oops, sorry. <laughs> this demonic hissing sound. And he says, I am a warlock. I'm a male witch, and I'm calling you on assignment from my master to curse your ministry, curse your family, curse, um, curse your health, curse your finances. He goes on for like 10 minutes and he's giving him like double barrels. Like he's giving him his best curses, you guys. And all of a sudden, in the office, there is this foul demonic smell and, and this like green demonic cloud that starts forming in the, in the office as he's hearing all these curses and all these curse words. It's like the opposite of a glory cloud, you guys. <laughs> and it starts forming in this office. And so after 10 minutes, the guy runs out of curses. And the pastor is silent for a second and he says, um, is that everything you got? He says, I'm just wondering because God says that he's going to turn every curse into a blessing. So is that all you got? And so, and so the guy spits and hisses and he gets angry and he, he starts giving him the double curse, right? Not the double blessing. He was giving him the double cursing. So he curses his family. He curses his health. He curses the ministry and the church. And he's just giving him his, you know, just the worst that he could think of. And after 20 minutes, um, he runs out of curses again. And, and Graham Cook says, well, you maybe called me on assignment from your master, but I have an assignment from my master. And I bless those that curse me. And so I bless you right now. I would say, you're not going to be able to escape the love of God. Jesus is going to reveal himself to you. And you won't be able to hide from the love of God. And you're going to be blessed in the city and blessed in the field. And there's going to be the glory of God that's going to come on your life. And you're going to see many people saved. And you're going to come into ministry. And, and he just starts prophesying the blessing over this guy's life. Finally, the guy can't handle it anymore. And he hangs up the phone. Well, that cloud just went poof, and, and, and he went back to, you know, getting his announcements ready for Sunday and back to his church work. <laughs> like, nothing happened. And guys, for the next six months, their church prospered to, like, a whole nother level. They saw people getting saved every Sunday. They said the, the, the generosity in the church, like, took off. It was like revival giving. People couldn't give fast enough, and, and people were blessed in the church. There was the, their whole family. They never got sick. They didn't get a cold. They didn't get a headache. They were, they were in the best health, and for six months, they were just, there was so much prosperity and so much that God did in those six months. At the end of the six months, they, he has the phone ringing again, and he picks up the phone, and he recognizes the voice on the other end. There's this male warlock who has called him once again, and he says, where have you been? I've been wanting to thank you. Like, you have no idea what God has been doing in our church. I, you know, he just wants to tell them all the stuff that God has been doing. And so he gets, uh, so the guy laughs. And he can tell, Graham can tell there's something different about this man's voice. He can tell there's something different about this man. And so he says, well, I have a story for you. He says, that night we got so angry and, and, you know, in England, they have, they have powerful covens, like witch covens and stuff. And so they got together, and they were going to do their seance, and they had a goat. And, they, you know, they, they, they had the blood sacrifice. They put the goat on the altar, and there was all this fire, and a big, huge fire. And they're standing around the fire doing their curses, doing their seance. And in the middle of the fire, he says, I saw a figure, and it looked like the Son of God. It stood up in the middle of the fire, and Jesus stepped out of the fire and touched every one of their lips. And all of a sudden, they couldn't curse anymore. They, they actually all went mute. God literally stops the curse. 
None of them could curse anymore until they gave their lives to Jesus. Amen? The first word on their mouth was Jesus. And so they had revival at a seance, you guys. <laughs> Why? Because the blessing is always stronger than the curse. The fruit of the Spirit on your life will absolutely decimate the enemy. Can we stand up? Whew. <laughs> guys, we need to learn to drink first thing in the morning. We need to have joy in the morning. Joy is a choice. You can have it if you want it. <laughs> Peace is a choice. It's a free gift. You can have it if you want it. Love is a free gift from God. You can have it if you want it. Whew. Can we just put our hands out right now? God, we just receive right now in this room the fruit of the Spirit. God, we want the wisdom to walk in peace, love, and joy every season of life. God, we want to recognize that every... Do you know I'm sensing? There's a lot of people in transition right now. And, and, and there's... Uh, some of you might even be moving. Some of you might be going into a new job. Maybe even a new season in school. But there's just... I feel like there's a lot of transition in life happening right now. And I just want to speak shalom, 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 the peace of God over every person in this room. There it is. Wow, I just feel the Holy Spirit right now hovering over this place. The Holy Spirit's the comforter, and he will minister to your heart. And I just declare over you that you're going to become so aware of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. You're going to become so aware of love that never fails on the inside of you more than your circumstances. When we fix our eyes on Jesus, he's the author and perfecter of our faith. So it's not up to us to try to have good faith. We just look at Jesus and he actually produces that faith in our life. Everything that God wants from us, he gives it to us first. Every battle, there's a fruit of the Spirit waiting, waiting in that place. And so God, right now, I just speak peace. Whoa. <laughs> over every person. Peace, peace, peace. I see God standing up in your boats. And some of you have been facing some storms. Some of you have been facing some battles. And God right now is speaking peace over every storm. Shalom, shalom, shalom. The peace of God in your life <laughs> is going to be the greatest weapon against the enemy. Shalom, shalom, shalom right now. Can we do something right now? I want you to put your hand on the person next to you on their shoulder, just gently on the person next to you on their shoulder, and I want you to release peace over them right now. Just quietly, just say, the peace of God. Just begin ministering right now and just release the glory over the person on your right, over the person on your left. We just say peace right now in Jesus' name. Peace right now in Jesus' name. From the top of her head to the tips of her toes, shalom, shalom, shalom. I see mental torment and stress. Even um, there's been sleepless nights. That's leaving right now. The shalom of God. God is restoring rest right now in this room. I see people in deep sleep and deep rest. Do you know when the storm came, Jesus was in the boat resting. So God, I just thank you. Come on, for your person on your right right now, begin just prepare, pray your best prayer, just like you mean it right now. Just release the peace of God right now. The glory, I just see the glory increasing in this room right now. God, we just thank you for the peace, the love, the joy. Come on, bubble up, Holy Spirit, in this room, that we'd be full of the peace of God, full of the love of God, full of the joy of God. We're gonna enjoy God to the fullest. Come on, somebody, woo! Come on, there's joy being released. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> so the thing about wine, heavenly wine, is it's so fine. <laughs> Abiding in the wine, you guys. Every time the enemy attacks, we just laugh. God sits on his throne and laughs because every curse that the enemy will bring against your life, it's God is turning it around for a blessing. Guys, I literally see this happening right now in the room. There, God is turning things around. God, there's been curses that the enemy has, 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 has come against your family, your finances, your relationships. God is turning it around right now. 
right now. I feel like somebody is like, I, I've been looking for relationship. I've been looking for love. And God's saying, I'm turning it around right now in Jesus' name. I'm turning it around. When we look to Jesus, he actually supplies everything that we need in his glory and in his presence. Come on, can we just give God praise right now? He's so good. Woo! Wow. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Holy Community Church, a place where families come together.